Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Across the UK, online and on DAB. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. Fembar can go to hell. Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the hour of badass power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators but no one compares. Minter, Campbell and Sexton are your all new Saturday night super squad. Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. One, two, three, four. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions you can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. We'll be here with you for the next hour chatting about all the things that have grabbed our attention in the news this week. Meeting the amazing Sophie Walker from the Women's Equality Party and of course answering all your problems and queries in our badass balls ups. But as ever, we like to start with... Oh, actually, we're going to start a little different this week. I've just remembered we're going to start a little different because this week we actually had our Badass Women's Hour Christmas party and we took ourselves off to see one of our former guests, the amazing Louisa Omilan, do her comedy show at the Apollo in Shepherd's Bush. It was absolutely incredible. If you don't know about Louisa, please do go check her out on Twitter and Instagram. Louisa Omilan will put her out on our Twitter so you can see her. Um, and her show is all about her mother's death from cancer and the treatment she received up until her death. And it is heartbreaking and heroic and funny and devastating all in one. And on the back of it, she has launched this amazing appeal called Helena's Hospice. Um, so please, if you're looking for something to support this year, if you're looking for a charity to support around Christmas, we really love Louisa. We love what she's done. It's an amazing, amazing charity. So mm. do check it out, Helena's Hospice. Yeah, Louisa, if you're listening, you were phenomenal last night. Yeah. What an amazing comedian who can tell that story with such, um, yeah, just, yeah, mind blowing. Great. Love her. Um, so our news stories this week. Nat, what have we got? What's our first one? So this story caused a, quite a debate in the production meeting, and it's that feminism beats complicit to be the Merriam-Webster's word of the year. So Merriam-Webster is a US dictionary, and it looks at trends over the year, and there has been a 70% increase in online searches for the word in 2017. Unsurprisingly, the largest spikes came in the last weeks of January following the Women's March in DC and around the world, and it sparked... Um, additional things with me too has has uh, had the the word rise now if we think logically feminism has always been there as a word it's been there for as long as um yeah I somebody invented it yeah yep. exactly <laughs> uh, and we should probably figure that one out actually. <laughs> when did it start a bit like our civilization, civilization <laughs> question um 
and in terms of the definition, the actual definition, as you don't know, is it's the theory of the political, economic and social equality of the sexes. And I don't remember ever really being taught about fem feminism in school. It was only taught at university if you took women's studies or gender studies. It didn't come up in anything else that I studied. So it wasn't until I had left university and maybe well into my 30s where I actually engaged with the term. And it's something that I still struggle with. Yes, I am a feminist in that I am fully on board with the definition and I would fight to the death for the equality, for equality for women. The challenge I have is that personally, and that's, so that's politically, personally, I have six brothers. Those of you that have missed something, I'm a black woman. So my feminism is layered with lots of other things. And I, I'm drawn to fighting on, for any injustice and any inequality. And where there are conversations that I feel are conversations that only uh, advance uh, wealthy white women that's where I struggle, or, or, or middle-class white women. That's but I where think I struggle. we need to like absolutely hammer the fact that that is not feminism. It's not feminism. It's not feminism. And I know that that can sometimes seem like it is. Well, if but there's a feminist in that camp standing up and saying something, and I'm like, but that's not going to benefit all women, or that's not going to benefit disabled women, then that's when I'm like, but we need to think more broadly. And that's why I'm saying but that's why I have a personal struggle. What could you say that ultimately is not going to benefit all women? That's, so that's what I question, right? So... I absolutely agree that there is such a thing as white feminism. There definitely is. But I wonder what we get so caught up in saying, oh, that's white feminism and doesn't, hasn't thought about all these different definitions that we forget that ultimately if we can move something forward, we are going to, the kind of trickle down effect is going to benefit other people. Not to say that we shouldn't be thinking about other people, we shouldn't be thinking about other issues. But I do worry that we get so busy critiquing feminism mm -hmm. that we forget that ultimately it is a good thing. It is a good thing. Emma, is what it, do you think? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I use the word feminist. Uh, I use the word feminist because I feel like there's still too much negative connotation around the word feminist. And I think that's even more important to use it to start to break down and challenge those assumptions. I think for me, it is such a big word. Um, I, th I see now, I think this year also doing this show for me and mm. has really opened my eyes to the intersexuality of feminism, which intersectionality. I would What did I say? I said intersexuality. No, it sounds like it. It sounds like it. No, it just sounds like it because I think I've got a list. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it comes under intersexuality. Very anyway, well, intersexuality. <laughs> um, so yes, but I, do you know what? I kind of feel like in 2018, I'm going to put the word rabid <laughs> in front of feminist. <laughs> I'm a rabid feminist because I think that is a great move. That one I like. I like that. Rabid feminist. <laughs> inspired by Piers Morgan. More of them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What do you think about it? Do you call yourself a feminist? Do you call yourself a rabid feminist? Should it be our word of the year? Are we just a bit astonished that it's taken this long to be a word of the year? Tweet us at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour, and tell us what you think. We always love to know. Uh, our second story this week. So our second story this week, I put on the list of stories and I was like, have you read this? It's so amazing. And neither Emma nor Nat had read it. So I'm going to give us a bit of an overview. We don't read enough. And then do we? we're going to talk about it. So the story is about Cat Person. And if you have missed it, Cat Person was a short story published in the New York Times in their literature section. And short stories generally do not cause this amount of interest. But this one particularly did. It was about a young woman. She's 
I think about 20 in the story, going on a couple of dates with the guys in his mid-30s. The dates are awkward. Neither of them quite know whether they fancy the other one. And the story tells her side of that burgeoning relationship and the moment when she kind of knows it isn't working. And that moment comes when they're having sex and she's thinking... I don't really want to be here, but the emotional labour that I'm going to have to go through in order to hurt his feelings, in order to step in and say, actually, right now, this is not working for me and I want it to stop, is so great that I'm just going to get it over with, go home and never speak to him again. So she does that. He reacts very badly to it. And it was just a really interesting, for me, interesting vignette about sexual relations between men and women and the difficulties we put both sides under by not openly expressing what we really want and what we're really feeling. Um, Nat, we were talking about it earlier and mm. you were a bit worried that it doesn't properly show kind of that men have the same problems, that they're sitting there thinking the same things, worrying the same things. Yeah, so I, w- I was thinking on the other side, how do we know, you know, adding another layer to this, that that guy wasn't a virgin and he's it was the kind first of mid-30s. time he's mid-30s I think he comes okay, across the story as not still very experienced but, but and he was really into her and in him not having the emotional maturity to have any other words in his lexicon he used a you know he used a bog standard term to vent his anger and I think about female friends um that have been in a relationship or had an interaction with a man and it hasn't gone the way that they wanted and they have you know smashed up some stuff because <laughs> that was the only thing they could do with their level of emotional maturity so I was just saying I, I think there are there are different sides to a story I haven't read the article I think it's interesting that it's caused such the debate that it has because relationships, especially when they become sexual, have so there's so much layering to it and there's so much vulnerability that comes through and there's so much that's tied up with who you who you who you believe you are as a person and the intimacy that you have with, with another individual in that moment and and what it does to you, especially when you feel hard done by. Yeah, and what the, so the like you say, I yeah. ha- I hadn't read this article, but the fact that so many people have talked about how they identify with it, and I'm like, oh my goodness, all these people are not actually speaking their truth. Mm. You're in this very intimate, vulnerable scenario with someone, and you can't actually speak your truth with that person. Mm. And I think that's that's the biggest problem. And then I think when you do that and you don't speak your truth, you don't speak to people, you don't have those you know, difficult conversations. And then I think when anybody's rejected in a bad way, you do respond to that in you anger. You do. And I think for me, what was interesting about it, and I think why it has resonated for so many, particularly for so many women, is because actually that's a stage of our development that we all go through. There's mm-hmm. a stage of your development where you go, actually, I have to decide right now that I'm going to start saying what I want. Yes. Because if I don't, this is going to keep happening. I'm going to start saying what I want. And we teach girls not to do that. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think that's more of a woman thing than a man thing? Do you think women struggle with that? I know lots of women. I've struggled with that myself. But do do we feel that men find it easier? Does society allow men to speak their truth? The research would say that society is more comfortable with men saying what they feel than with women. Mm. Um, But, you know, we've all got to learn to do it. It really resonated for me. Neither Nat and Emma have read it. I need some people to talk to about it. <laughs> I think it's because it's a cat person. I'm like, well, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're a cat. I like cats. I'm going to read Ems that. Is a dog person. Em's <laughs> uh, final story this week. What is it? Oh, it's so exciting because Netflix has given the go-ahead to bring She-Ra, the cartoon, back. Now, She-Ra, Princess of Power. She-Ra? Princess yeah. of Power. We've got a Let's little bit of an audio it. clip just in case. She-Ra, She-Ra. 
Adora, He-Man's twin sister. This is so ridiculous. Also, I've just realised in that first sentence, Shira identifies herself in relation to a man. It's true. She's and not the feminist heroine wait, I thought wait, she wait. was. Can we just get to the bit where she says, "I have the power"? <laughs> That's all I'm interested in. And she's not got a unicorn. Yeah. She's got a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Shira, say it. I have the power. It's not gonna happen. No. <laughs> Shira, you let me down. Maybe she I doesn't re- have it. Maybe we just remember it differently. No, I need to. It. I don't know if I want to watch these old episodes. <laughs> Stop now, Shira. I'm, I'm blaming our producer for not finding the power bit. But ultimately, I'm here for Shira and Shira's no, power. But are they going to make her cartoons. into like this feminist heroine? Well, I hope so. Otherwise, really, what's the point? And I want her to be like really muscly and not wearing skimpy outfit, please. That's okay. really boring. We're going to put that in a request to the producers. Okay. All right. Um, so that's been our take on this week's news stories but we always love to hear yours so do come tweet us at Badass Women's Hour HR at Badass Women's Hour um, come join in the discussion because I think we're going to keep talking about a lot of these subjects with our next guest Yes, we are really excited and honoured to have the amazing Sophie Walker from the Women's Equality Party here we're going to be talking all things women, equality and partying with <laughs> yes. the amazing Sophie <laughs> coming up here on Talk Radio next Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio, she'll get you talking. Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And this week we are also joined by the very amazing Sophie Walker from the Women's Equality Woo! Party. Woo! <laughs> I feel like we need some music after that. <laughs> we need like a walk-in tune. Um, Sophie, thank you so much for joining us today. We were talking before, and I can't believe the Women's Equality Party is two and a half years old yes it's amazing. amazing yes but for people that maybe have not clicked onto it or going mm, women's equality i don't know mm. tell us a little bit about what it is and how it came to be it's a political party mm-hmm. and it was formed by a bunch of us who um decided that we had had enough with what was on offer um and uh it's uh sort of grown and grown and grown and it it's it basically I suppose the best way to tell you about it is to tell you how it started, which was um, it was uh, 2015 and the general election was approaching because in those days, remember, we used to have them every five years. Um, And uh, I was sort of watching this thing, Hove interview, thinking um, I really, I really don't know who to vote for. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And that was a horrible feeling. And, um, and 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 it was because I felt like nothing of what was on offer was going to actually answer um, my very many questions as a woman, um, as a mother, as a carer of a child with a disability, um, as somebody who was just always frantically juggling um, and uh, uh, feeling invisible, overlooked. Um, And I just thought, there's nobody there that prioritises this stuff. There's nobody there that actually really sees the work that women do and the experiences of women are not reflected in those manifestos in a way that I um, believe could actually create change. It always seemed like there was the really important stuff and then there was the women at the back of the manifesto, like that special interest group, mm. you know, like we're pigeon mm. fanciers or something. <laughs> and and I, and I and even worse than that, it was like, not only do I not see a party that wants to represent me, but I see a whole bunch of parties that think they've already got my vote in their back pocket. 
and I was really angry and really fed up and um, a, a whole bunch of other people um, uh, were having similar thoughts. So what I think is really interesting about this is it feels like... I don't want to lump you in with UKIP here, but I'm sort of going to. But I feel like UKIP and Women's Equality Party, the one thing they have in common is they've gone, actually, let's not make this about identity. Let's make it about issues. Let's make it about what's actually the thing that we can relate to, the things that, the issues that are important to us, not just, are you a Conservative? Are you a Labour? Mm. Are you Lib Dem? It's not about an identity. It's about mm. issues. Is that what you, how you feel about it? I, I don't want to say that you agree with UKIP, but you know what I mean. Oh God, there's so much in what you've just said. Um, <laughs> first of all, I think we are a bit squeamish about talking about identity politics, yeah. aren't we? It's been seen to be something which is bad, um, and the only people who talk about identity politics are are women or or, or yep. people of uh, uh, different backgrounds or ethnic minority. Actually, like the big problem the whole world has got at the moment is that the wh- identity pro- politics of white men <laughs> is wrecking everything. Um, so I think we need to rethink how we talk about identity politics. But I, sen- I think essentially you're right to make the, the, the comparison because what we wanted to do was to say we have to do this in a political space. There's been brilliant work done by like tens, thousands, millions of brilliant women over decades. My own mum was a member of the Women's Liberation Movement. Um, and, and yet the pace of change is glacial mm. because ultimately that work doesn't threaten the power of the establishment. And the way you threaten the power of the establishment is by existing in the political space and you threaten their votes because votes are power. And so that's why we decided we needed to be a political party. The second thing we decided we had to do was be really practical because there's this other thing. As soon as you start talking about equality for women, (laughs) uh, other politicians start saying, oh, it's really hard. <laughs> oh, that's, that's going so to take oh, hundreds, hundreds of years. It's going to take. We need a lot of focus groups. I remember David Cameron at one point being really happy because equal pay for women was only going to take two generations. That I was know. Nothing. Winner, winner. So we thought we're going to do this in a in a way that demonstrates that it's totally doable and with very practical policies around seven core objectives, uh, because that's the other thing when you talk about women's equality, it's amazing how in every other area of politics you can talk about um, the number, a basket of measures. That's our favourite politician. We're going to have a basket of measures for dealing with this, that, you know. We're going to have a raft of options. Or the, and then when you talk about women's equality, they say, what's the one thing you want? <laughs> <laughs> and so... You I, must be specific. You, just, you can have one. one. Just the one. Um, so that was the other thing behind it. It's like, A, it's not hard. It's totally doable. It's just a matter of political will. And B, here is exactly how you do it. And that is what our objectives set out to do. They say you have to address the structural inequalities that we build into our education system, into our care system, into our society, into our economy, into our culture, into our media, into our healthcare system. Um, because we will never be able to fix this until we recognise that essentially this is a power imbalance. And I think... As women, we live with that knowledge and yet we are bombarded with messages that tell us, uh, just try a bit harder. Mm, You know, all you have to do to counter centuries of legislative discrimination, cultural discrimination, uh, sexism, misogyny, is just try a bit harder, ladies. And, and, And we are the political party that says that is absolute... I don't know what word you're allowed to use in here. Um, uh, and, and, And it is A, completely doable, and here is a very clear path to doing it. And actually, our challenge to all of the other political parties is you do it first. All of our ideas are open sourced. Help yourselves. So on, so on that point, it's 
you know, what does this look like in practice? So you're bipartisan, your your ideas, policies are open source. You said there's lots of amazing things coming mm. up in, in 2018. What does the Women's Equality Party look like on the ground? Well, we look like uh, a whole range of people um, from lots of different backgrounds, uh, the vast majority of whom have never been a member of a political party before. Um, we... Uh, we are non-partisan, that's to say we work with anybody who wants to do this with us. Uh, our, so long as you subscribe to our core mm-hmm. principles of, uh, of of equality and, you know, we, we, for example, we offer a joint membership. Yeah. You can be a member of our political party and any other political party, um, apart from the BNP. We don't want you. That, that's good, thank yeah. you. That's yeah. fair good. enough. No yeah. So uh, we have uh, we run in elections. We ran I ran as the mayoral candidate in 2016, um, and we got a quarter of a million votes. So one in every 20 votes, um, we won. And and the result of us being in the race also had a knock-on impact on what the other people in that race was saying. And and that's how this works, you know. So you may have heard Sadiq Khan mention once or twice that he's a feminist. <laughs> um, uh, he also did a gender pay audit in City Hall. Mm-hmm. Brilliant, brilliant idea. That was our idea. Okay, great. But that's yeah. what happens when we run. Yeah. And and the point is that we cheer when politicians take on our ideas and we raise the bar. And the same thing happened in the general election. Mm-hmm. I ran in Shipley, opposite Philip Davis, yeah. um, who, for those of you who don't know who Philip Davis is, he is a backbench Conservative Pratton. MP um, who tried to talk out a vote on ending violence against women and girls on the grounds that it didn't mention men. Um oh, and uh, so I stood against him in Shipley. Um, we were there for a snap election for seven weeks. We knocked on 31,000 doors. We spoke to people who'd never seen their MP in 10 years or seen yeah. any other candidate in 10 years. We contributed to halving his majority. Now, I'd love to say, woohoo, that was all me. Um, you know, the votes I got were about 2%. I got about 2% of the vote, lost my deposit. You know, this is, this is, this is a small party that's just starting. But the impact of us running was such that we... Uh, we woke up a lot of people in that constituency to vote differently. And as a direct result of us doing that, the Labour Party has now said they're going to make that seat a target seat on an all-woman shortlist next time round. So we're, we're both talking about women's equality right in the middle of the political system and challenging ideas of it being too hard or not doable. But we're also having an, an impact by working with other political parties to say, Let's do this together. But outside the politics, do you think the women that you've got um, coming along to meetings and organising are mm. also then going off into their own lives and being more political and challenging the boundaries of, of where they live? So going back into their, their workplaces, going and back can, in and back into their communities yes. and saying, actually, there's a different way of doing things. Yes, yes. And that is that's very much... Uh, uh, a core part of what we're trying to do. One of my favourite parts of this job, and it's a wonderful, exhilarating... Uh, it's such a privilege, this job. Um, but one of the best things about it is, is going on branch visits. Mm-hmm. It's talking to people in, uh, you know, sort of back rooms and church halls and kitchen tables. Because that's how all our policy work was done as well. Yeah. You know, we went out and we held workshops right across the country where people who'd, uh, and women sort of came and said, well, I don't, I don't know how to fix this, but I do know that this thing here is really, really bothering me. And we would say, okay, so in an ideal world, what would you do about that? And they would say, well... I've always thought that perhaps this would work better. And we'd say, fine, let's put that in the policy document. Yeah. Sophie, what do you what do you need next year for all you know, you're doing this amazing work, the women's equality party's clearly starting to have some really good impact. What do you need to really have the impact that you know you're aiming for and that you like what needs to happen? What can we help you do? What can our listeners do to make sure you have the impact next year? 
Uh, I think, I mean, I loved your conversation about feminism earlier on. I, I love the idea that, I mean, I'd have to laugh that Marion Brewster is like, well, hey, they've just discovered feminism. We've been here quite a while, guys. Um, I love the idea of people claiming feminism and using it and uh, challenging ideas um, uh, of it of it not being essentially a very simple thing. Um, you know, there has been an, a concerted effort by a misogynists for decades now to try to paint feminism as this awful thing that no reasonable person could possibly want to be in an attempt to stop women from uniting and I think my message is like women and this is one of my favorite from the chants from the marches <laughs> is women united will never be defeated and I think if we claim ourselves as feminists please join the political party please join the women's equality party be political in your feminism I've always said that Joining the Women's Equality Party is is like the best possible pyramid scheme. <laughs> you can act out of naked self-interest <laughs> and still make things better for everyone else. Fabulous. That's good. Um, so Sophie is going to be staying with us to dish out some of her amazing wisdom on our badass balls ups, which is coming up next. Uh, we're talking work, we're talking home life, and of course we are talking relationships because we love those. <laughs> Using all our wisdom and experience, it's not great, uh, to try and help you out. Coming up here on Talk Radio next. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio, she'll get you talking. Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And this week we also have leader of the Women's Equality Party, Sophie Walker, in the studio Woo! with us. Woo! Hello, hello. <laughs> so it's that time of the week where we try and use all our life experience to help you out. It is our badass balls ups. And Emma, you have got our first question this I week. I have. This what comes from Carmen via Twitter. We're getting some good ones via Twitter actually so Carmen says I've been dating I had been dating this guy for three months and we have been getting on really well we have met each other's friends and I even met his parents three weeks ago we had a slight disagreement and now I have not heard from him I gave him a friendly text this week which he ignored I know he's still alive because of his social media um, so he definitely must be ghosting me I can't actually believe it what can I do as I really cared about him nothing do God, but ghosting is like what is going on in the world manners and this is what I think I don't manners. think that we teach men and women manners at school or actually it goes back to what we were saying earlier we don't teach them just to be honest to just say actually this isn't working for me or it's not how I thought it was going to be or I'm not sure about it yeah I've changed End my story. mind I've changed my mind thanks anyway but if he is ignoring you the only thing you can do is just say I'm going to take a step back. And when he reappears, because it's Christmas and everyone's a bit lonely, and you're suddenly going to think, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> actually, maybe I do want it back in my life. So when he reappears, just remember this mm -hmm. and make a decision also, as to whether you want to repeat he, it again. If he can't have a conversation with her now, there's mm. no hope for that relationship. Relationships are around communication. So yeah. if you can't just sit down and have a conversation about that or, you know, even send it in a, like a text, like, you know, you can get super basic with this stuff, then what sort of future have you got, really? I think he fundamentally doesn't respect her. Mm. And, I, and I think... That's what, you know, I, I listen, we've all been there, right? Are you running all these scenarios through? Well, maybe this has happened to him or that's happened to him. There must be some terrible thing happening to him. It's like, no, he's not contacting you because he, he doesn't want to. Yeah, yes. exactly. And it's not very nice. 
and he's probably not actually very nice. Mm. No. Yeah. Move on. Make space for yeah. someone better. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Nat, what is our? Have you got our next problem? Yes, I do, you do indeed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this one is from Shami, and she says, "I run a small company, and we're in our first year. I really want to get my clients gifts to say thank you, but I was wondering what to get them and how much to spend. Any tips or ideas?" So I took this one because first off, I was like, "Oh no, she needs to be wary of the uh, basically bribery laws." You're not really supposed to buy your clients gifts over fifty pounds. So I've just googled this on um, yeah, because I was like, oh, yeah, and there's there's also a limit. So um, if it's a business gift, it needs to be a diary. It must not be food, alcoholic drink, or tobacco or vouchers that are exchangeable for for those gifts. And I made the mistake a couple of years ago when the laws first came in. I sent all of my clients um, hampers full of booze and chocolate. Yeah, 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 because I just didn't know. And I got an email back from one saying, you know, we're not actually allowed to accept this. Sorry, mm. and I was like, "Can everyone just, just you know just take an individual bit out, and then it's like <laughs> quid each?" Because um, I didn't know, and I wanted to send them something really nice. So be wary of that. Is there something you could do instead? Is there a way of kind of getting around this? Of Emma, you donate to charity. Yeah, right? we donate to charity. There was an amazing uh, charity that I came across a couple of years ago called the Flying Seagull Project, and they go into the refugee camps and entertain the children and give them a little bit of respite from what is a an awful situation and help them remember to be kids again. So we donate to them every year, and I, you know, I like I like the fact that it's a small charity because I know that the money that we give them has a really big impact. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do that, and actually, I have a really positive response from my clients about that. They really like it. Mm. There's also this like non-partisan political party. <laughs> it's <does laughs> really good work. I was thinking that when you were talking. Anybody, anybody I like, wants yeah. to join or yeah. donate. <laughs> Christmas part, but oh yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, you can join on behalf of somebody else. I was just about to you, you join for every for every for for different men and send them a letter saying I've joined the women's equality. Yeah, party. I was thinking I Christmas gift. We've had a we've had a bit of that over the last couple of weeks over the sexual harassment scandal with people saying, I'm I'm donating in the name of yeah. That. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have a little cheer in the office. Do you think, Sophie, have you noticed in the last couple of weeks with the sexual harassment scandal, with the Me Too campaign, has that been a big boost? for the Women's Equality Party or has it yeah been? it's a funny thing isn't it thinking yeah. you know the, the awful weird, stuff is a boost yeah. um, but uh, yes it does um, I think you know our chief recruitment officer remains uh, Donald Trump <laughs> swiftly followed <laughs> by Philip Davis you know every time either of those people stand up and say something st- stupid we, we have people joining the party and yes the sexual harassment scandals has uh, has, has also I think boosted people's um, Determination to do something Precisely, about it. Precisely, yeah. yeah. And the yeah. recognition that this is how you do something about it. Yeah. Love it. Okay, our final problem this week. So, um, this comes from uh, Federica on Instagram. She says, My partner has mild Asperger's. I'm going through a rough time in my life, and I know it's not his fault, but he doesn't always grasp how I'm feeling. Lately, I've been snapping at him quite often, and this not only makes me ashamed of myself for not taking into account his syndrome, but I know I've hurt his feelings on a couple of occasions, and I must have made him feel like an idiot. Things usually work well between us, but at stressful times, I'm less patient with him, leading to misunderstandings. How can I communicate to him what I'm feeling without having to delve into a long and detailed description of my mood and worries? Sophie, I know this is something that you mm. you have in your daily life, yes. right? Yes, yeah, my daughter has Asperger's, yeah. Yeah. Um, I... I think unfortunately the answer is um you can't you know you're living with somebody who's whose brain works differently who's programmed to function differently who 
with no doubt at all, loves you, cares about you, gets very anxious um, to be saying and doing the right thing. Um, but there's never going to be a point where they will start acting differently. And uh, the most important thing you can do is is um, love them unconditionally, which is hard. It's really, really hard. Um, you know, I um, my daughter, there's times when I've had a really hard day and I will come in and my daughter will scan my face and try to figure out what my expression means. Mm. Um, and she'll be saying, are you, are you all right? I can't tell how you are because I can't tell what that expression is. Um, and uh, we just, you know, it, 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 it's an ongoing piece of work. It's an ongoing piece of work. And actually, I found one of the things that, that helps me is, or you know, is simply time. It's, you know, my daughter is 16 now. We got her diagnosis when she was... Eight. It took us five years to get a diagnosis, mm. which was exhausting. Um, but just the process of starting to understand her, and it's a it's a lifelong process. You can't, you know. So I would say to this person, like, don't feel bad for getting it wrong. You'll get it wrong. But the mm. fact that you're with this person and you love him uh, is, you know, just all, you know, love. It's yeah. about love. I. It's funny. I was listening to the radio this morning, and there was um there was somebody on um on a on a it was another channel. Sorry. It's okay. Are you um, mention other channels? One of the other places. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was an interview with a mother um, who had a daughter with autism who was being really horribly badly bullied at school, um, all the way through primary school and secondary school. And um, this woman was, you know, just destroyed by it. And she was crying in the interview. And I was trying to drive my other daughter to school and I found I was just crying in the car listening to this because it was so familiar. It was such a familiar story. And I just thought, why, you know, actually what this comes down to is just loving each other, just loving people who are different and accepting them for being different. Mm -hmm. And so I salute this person because these kind of relationships are really, really hard. Um, but it, it's also unbelievably giving, unbelievably wonderful because you are uh, you are with someone who thinks differently, who sees things differently, who is constantly surprising, constantly creative. Um, and I think the more of us that, that talk about that and understand that, the better the world will be. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Beautiful advice there. I think we can all learn from it. Loving yes. a bit of difference is a great thing. Can I just add, for her, get some therapy. You know, if... if, if Because she says she's going through a rough time. Yeah. Just get, get yourself some therapy. Do the work that you also need to make sure that you have yeah. the outlet. Mm. Yeah. and the space for that and if that's therapy or some time and space space alone make sure you carve that time out for yourself yeah and also just be a bit more forgiving you know when we say like love like love yourself a bit more just mm. forgive yourself because she kind of says that I feel ashamed of myself it's mm. like you know you're doing your best like, I think sometimes as human beings we beat ourselves up when oh, we're, yes. we don't think we're Get doing the wrong. right thing and it's like you're learning and you're you're reflecting and you're going how can I be better and you know love oh, yourself for that bit, yeah totally the yeah. constant guilt of thinking oh I got that bit I got that wrong yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Step away from the guilt. <laughs> Put it down. Um, so we're heading actually into the new year. So we're just going to ask one of our final guests this year, Sophie. What would you like to see in 2018? What's going to be important for you in 2018? I would like to see a functioning parliament that takes sexual harassment seriously and does something about it. <laughs> yes. um, I, you know, it's been six weeks now, hasn't it, since uh, we started to see all these reports coming through about the behaviour that's going on in Parliament. Um, and it didn't surprise me at all. Everybody, I got lots of interviews with people. Oh, are you surprised? I was like, nope. <laughs> um, 
And it didn't surprise me particularly that it came through media, through entertainment, mm-hmm. through politics, because these are all big institutions where men in power tell stories about men in power and perpetuate the idea that power and authority is male. And I um, and this is and that's what sexual harassment is. It's not about sex. It's about power. Mm. Um, and do you remember there was this big fuss at the beginning, and the people would say, "Oh, it's the next expenses scandal." And I thought, yeah, "Great, hasn't been. here's yeah. hoping it's the next expenses scandal." But actually, it appears that this country cares more about MPs spending money on duck houses <laughs> than on harassing, uh, groping, intimidating uh, women in so Westminster. Beautiful. And I think, you know, I really hope that next year. We see all of the political parties, first of all, really get handle on this, you know, introduce independent reporting systems, um, an independent HR system. It is absurd that parties are being allowed to investigate themselves, particularly in an environment where Parliament is absolutely on a knife edge. And they have a vested interest in not firing any of their own MPs because every MP is a bit more power. Um, but I also think hope that that not just that that process happens, but also in in doing that, they start to understand the inequalities that are lopsided power arrangement in Parliament. You know, where men outnumber women two to one, where the legislation we pass doesn't see women, where we don't invest in care, all that stuff. It all contributes um, to the harassment and violence of women that we see. So my hope for 2018 is that the stuff that is staring politicians in the face finally gets acted upon i mm. absolutely back that yes, yes please and if people want to find out more about the women's equality party where can they find you uh i'm on twitter sophie running yep. um uh, uh i used to be a marathoner that was that was why i'm sophie <laughs> running it's like people sort of go ah? for... <laughs> i started running for autism actually i started okay. running i'm an, also an ambassador for the national artistic society yeah. and i started running marathons to raise money for understanding and awareness of Wonderful. autism and disability so now i'm sophie running because i'm uh, basically uh, running at all the things that bother me. <laughs> I run at it, fix it. Um, so, but you can also um, join the party if you go to www.womensequality.org.uk slash join. Um, and uh, we're also on um, Facebook uh, and Twitter too as web. Fabulous. Wonderful. Do join. They're amazing. Uh, big round of applause and big thank you to Sophie for joining us Woo! today. Thank you. thank you. We're heading towards the end of our show, but our final section with our backdated badass is coming up really soon. So stay with us because she is amazing. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, 
and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And we're coming towards the end of the show. But before we do, we're going to take a moment to introduce you to an amazing woman from history that you need to know about. I feel like I've said the word amazing 20 <laughs> times today. Sorry about that. Uh, so we are joined by Leah Satter, uh, Design Brand Manager at Make Your Words Work. And she is going to be telling us about brilliant women's activist. Uh, Leah, who have we got this week? Hi, um, I'm going to be telling you about Sojourner Truth. Actually, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. Mm -hmm. I think it's Sojourner, um, who was an African-American born in slavery in 1797 and was a women's rights activist, but also an activist for the abolition of slavery. And uh, tell us a little bit about her early life. So she was... um, so born into slavery, she struggled a lot and she had quite a traumatic and hard life. Um, but then she was quite strong in terms of the fact that when um, sort of slavery ended in, in New York, she was with a family who helped her get her son back and she was the first black woman to take a white man to court um, and win. Uh, so what had happened to her son before this? Um, so he was sold into slavery and basically just stolen off her. So she had no really contact. But when she found that he was with a family in Alabama, um, Alabama she managed to um, track him down and then, yeah, win the court case and get him back. Amazing. And so this was kind of what happened to all her children, wasn't it? They were all sold into slavery and the families were split up. Um, did she? Do you think this was kind of part of what caused her, I guess, or motivated her to become such an activist in this area? No, definitely. I think she had five children and all of them. There's not much about four of them, I mean, apart from her son, but she had a youngest daughter, which I think she managed to kind of keep. Um, But I think she's just, in terms of like her overall life, she just had, it was just so traumatic. And even when she was free, she worked with her family as a housekeeper and became a devout Christian. Uh, but then when her employer died, she was then accused of his murder and was later acquitted. But wow. I think she's just had such a hard traumatic life where people were constantly after her. So, but I think for her to stand up and just be this strong, amazing woman who just so bold and confident and just able to talk about these things and be a real activist, she's just so badass. Um, and she even, after she... Uh, was working she managed to save up and buy her first house as well so as a black woman who was a former slave she's just absolutely phenomenal and she was actually she's most famous for some of the speeches she gave is that right yeah no definitely is one actually that she did in 1851 the ohio women's rights convention it's such an amazing speech so basically she demanded equal rights for women and black people um and just in obviously the context of the time just so dangerous and challenging for a woman of color to even be as vocal as what she was about it um, I have a speech in front of me, actually, which I can read to you. Um, she was like, I am a woman's rights. I have as much muscle as any man and can do as much work as any man. I have plowed and reaped and huffed and chopped and mowed and can do 
can any man do more than that? I've heard much about the sex of being equal. I can carry as much as any man. I can eat as much tea if I can get it. I am as strong as any man that is now. As for intellect, all I can say is, if a woman have a pint and a man have a quart, why can't she have her little pint full? You need to not be afraid to give us our rights or fear we will take too much. We can only take as much as our pint can hold. Amazing. Amazing. I like the opening of that speech. She says something, well, children, where there is so much racket, there must be something out of kilter, which I think is very interesting, especially for today, because, you know, when there is uproar and people are, oh, I don't know what the problem is. And, you know, everyone's making a big fuss. It's like, no, there must be something out of kilter for, for people to be in uproar about something. Yeah, absolutely. And even like she did a lot of public speaking after that. And um, as a six foot black woman who'd taken to a stage and was such a demanding and bold and composed presence, she was always interrupted and just basically men heckling her. And they used to accuse her of being a man with her being so tall. So at one point it was said that she opened up her blouse and basically showed her boobs to prove that she was a woman. I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I think one of the things that resonates for me um, is that you know, we're, we're talking about her and, and she died in 1883. But the reality is, is that there are women, uh, black women, especially in the US, still standing up and having to say exactly the same thing now um, whether you talk about uh, Maxine Walters um, or you know you know bring it into to modern day with everything that's going on with me too we are still having the same conversation absolutely um, I think she sounds yeah. absolutely incredible thank you so much for introducing us to her Leah the Sojourner Truth um, amazing women's civil rights activist from the United States in the 1800s. We just absolutely loved learning more about her. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so we're coming towards the end of our show, but as ever, we like to leave you with a little something to live your life by in the coming seven days, something for the week. Uh, it is, of course, our badass principle. <laughs> <laughs> what is the badass principle this week? The badass principle this week is women's equality. And again, it doesn't fit the flow of the ones we've usually had. I'm going to break the rules. But given the conversation that we've had and having Sophie on the show, uh, yeah, women's equality. Um, and I'm going to choose that word and or choose the, choose those two words as the principle. What is within women's equality for you? What are the important things that we need to recognise for it to be true equality? Uh, oh, goof. just being treated exactly the same as men with no prejudice, no judgment, no uh, systemic regulatory bias at all. And it doesn't take 100 years or 10 years or 20 years. It can happen real soon we just need to get people mobilised and moving behind it mm. Emma as a newly formed radical feminist yes. rabid rabid rabid, rabid. maybe rabid I'm feminist. a rabid radical feminist <laughs> I'm up for it we're going all out in 2018 watch out people what is women's equality for you for me it's about really taking a good look at what has always been and I think even as women quite often we can accept and operate we're, and we've talked about a lot on the show in terms of sexual harassment and the, there's been articles out about the, um, the safety work that we do. To, and I was having a conversation the other day with a man and telling him how I, as a woman, are constantly on my guard about my safety and my well-being. And I, I do it on autopilot now because it's so conditioned in me. So for me, equality is about all of us taking stock about what is considered normality that we have just got used to as human beings and challenging that and taking a good hard look and just because it's always been doesn't make that okay 
And I think for me, women's equality is, let's really look at the word women's, um, because women have, we come in a variety of shapes and sizes. We really do. We are all sorts. And it's not enough to say equality for one particular type of women. We have to look at then what does the effect that that have have on the world around us? Does it go far enough? Does it do enough? Is it actually true equality? And that for me is really, really important because I think we talked a little bit about kind of white feminism at the beginning of the show. That's where it gets the reputation from when we just think about it from our own point of view, Mm. not from other people's, not stepping into other people's shoes and looking at it and saying, does this bring equality to us as a whole or just for me as an individual? Mm. Um, And for me, particularly with the word feminism, it is about understanding that actually you're looking for equality. You're looking for, uh, what's, it, what's that wonderful definition? We've got a theoretical understanding of the social equality. You know, social, economic, Social, political. economic and political. Understand the theory. Mm-hmm. Go away and learn about it. Understand the theory. Read up on it. Understand where the different layers are. Because only when you do that can you then see how it fits into the whole. And that, for me, is when we will start to achieve true equality. Um, But in the meantime, let's just demand it where we can get it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it has been a kind of a jam-packed, very busy, very bouncy show this week, hasn't it? Yeah, Mm. it has. We've had a lot to discuss. And if you want to discuss some of it with us, you should come find us on Twitter and talk to us. Come find us on Twitter at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour, or on Instagram, Facebook, all the socials, or on our own website, badasswomenshour.com. And we've got a little sign up there if you want to hear from more of us, particularly when we're doing events and things like that, you can come talk to us there. Um, or you can come talk to us individually. I'm at Harriet Minter, Nat. At Nat D. Campbell. And Emma. At Emma Sexton. And we will, of course, be here again, same time, same place, next week on Talk Radio with the Badass Women's Hour. And coming up next, stay tuned for Dr. Pam Spur talking all things sex and relationships on a Saturday night. Across the UK, online and on DAB. (laughs) Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. 